Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. All right, kiddo, we're past your bedtime. It's 9.56 p.m., so this is going to be the last one, okay? All right, A Series of Unfortunate Events by Lemony Snicket. Book the Sixth, The Ursatz Elevator. Oh, okay, judging by, like, the cover of the book, I'm looking like I can see what's going to happen next. Is this right? Pepe, look up here. Is that what's going to happen as they go down? Look at the cover. I think. Okay. Okay. If you guys don't have a cover, it's going to be even more surprising. All right. Let me just see how many pages this one is. Because I feel like... I feel like these chapters just feel so long. Okay. All right. We could do it, you guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Chapter 9. One of the greatest myths in the world is the phrase, greatest myths, is just a fancy way of saying big fat lies is that troublesome things get less and less troublesome if you do more and more people say that this myth when they are teaching children to ride a bicycle for instance as though falling off of a bicycle and skinning your knee is less troublesome than the 14th time the 14th time than it is the first time the truth is that troublesome things tend to remain troublesome no matter how many times you do them and that you should avoid doing them unless they are absolutely urgent. Obviously, it was absolutely urgent for the Baudelaire orphans to take another three-hour climb down to the terrible darkness of the elevator shaft. The ch- Dude, I know, that's crazy. The children knew that the quagmire triplets were in grave danger and that using Violet's invention to melt the bars of the cage was the only way that their friends could escape before Gunther hid them inside one of the items in the auction and smuggled them out of the city. But I'm sorry to say that that absolute urgency of the Baudelaire's second climb did not make it any less troublesome. The passageway was still dark as bar as a bar of extra dark chocolate sitting in a planetarium covered in thick black blanket even with a tiny glow from the white tops of the fire tongs. The sensation of lowering themselves down the elevator shaft still felt like a descent into the hungry mouth of some terrifying creature. But with only the clink of the last extension cord hitting the lock of the cage to guide them, the three siblings pulled themselves down the ersatz rope with one hand and held out their welding torches with the other. The trek down the tiny, filthy room where the triplets were trapped was still not even 127th okay. But the dreadful reputation of the Baudelaire's troublesome climb was dwarfed in comparison with the sinister surprise that they found at the bottom. A surprise so terrible that the three children simply refused to believe it. Violet searched the end of the final extension cord and looked and looking at the cage and thought that it must be a phantasm. And Sunny peered through the bars and prayed it was some combination of the two. The youngsters stared at the tiny filthy room and stared into the cage, but it took them several minutes before they believed that the quagmires were no longer inside. They're gone, 
Violet said. They're gone. It's all my fault. She threw her welding torch into the corner of the tiny room where this, where it sizzled against the floor. She turned to her siblings. She turned to her siblings and they could see that by the white glow of their tongues that the oldest that their oldest sister was beginning to cry my invention was supposed to save them she said mournfully and now gunther has snatched them away i'm a terrible inventor and a horrible friend klaus threw the welding torch into the corner you and gave his sister a hug you're the best inventor i know he said and your inventions are what in your invention was a good one listen to those welding torches sizzle that time the time just wasn't right for your invention, that's all. What's that supposed to mean, Violet said miserably. Sunny threw the last welding torch onto the corner and took off her oven mitts so that she could pat her... Sunny had a torch. I know, they all did. Pat her sister comfortingly with her ankle. Noki, noki, she said, which meant there, there. And all it all means, Klaus said. All it means, Klaus said, is that you invented something that wasn't handy at this particular time. It's not your fault that it, we didn't rescue them. It's Gunther's. I guess I know that. Violet said, wiping her eyes. I'm just sad that this time it wasn't right for my invention. Who knows if we'll ever see our friends again? We will, Klaus said. Just because the timing isn't right for your invention skills doesn't mean that it's a right that it isn't right for my researching skills. Dweestall, Sunny said sadly, which meant, oh, sadly, Dweestall, Sunny said sadly, which meant all this research in the world can't help the Duncans and Isidore now. That's where you're wrong, Sunny, Klaus said. Gunther might have snatched them, but we know where he's taking them, to the Verb, Veb, Veblen Hall. Okay. And he's going to hide them inside one of the items. In the, one of the items in the auction, remember? Yes, Violet said, but which one? Well, if we climb back up to the penthouse, Klaus said, and go to the squalor library, I think we can figure it out. Mio said Sunny, which meant, but the squalor library has only snooty books that is in and what's out. Oh, you're forgetting the recent additions to the library, Klaus said. Esme told me that Gunther had left a copy of the auction catalog, remember? Whatever he's planning to hide the quagmires in, it'll be listed in the catalog. If we can find out which item he's hiding it in, we can get them out of there. Violet finished before his, before the auction cuts them off. That's a brilliant idea, Klaus. It's no less brilliant than inventing welding torches, Klaus said. I just hope the it's the time is ripe this time. Me too, said Violet. After all, it's our only Venig, Sunny said, which meant don't say it. And her sister nodded in agreement. There was no use in saying that it was their only hope and just getting them anxious as they were before. So without another word, the Baudelaire's hoisted themselves back up on that makeshift rope and began climbing up the squalor penthouse. The darkness closed in on them again, and the children began to feel as if their whole lives had been spent in this deep, shadowy pit, instead of a variety of locations, ranging from a lumber mill in Poultryville to a cave on the shores of the Lacrimose, Lake Lacrimose to the Baudelaire Mansion, which sat in charred remains just a few blocks away from Dark Avenue. But rather than think about all of these shadowy places in the Baudelaire's past, or the shadowiest places that they were climbing through now, the three siblings tried to concentrate on brighter places in the Baudelaire future. They thought of their penthouse apartment, which drew closer and closer to them as they climbed. 
and they thought of the squalor library which could contain proper information that they needed to defeat Gunther's plan, and they thought of some glorious time that was yet to come with the, when the Baudelaire's and the Quagmires could enjoy their friendship without the ghastly shadow of evil that hung around them now. <sighs> the Baudelaire orphans tried to keep their minds on these bright thoughts and the fu- of the future as they climbed out of the shadowy elevator shaft by the time they reached the sliding doors, they felt perhaps this glorious time was not so far off. It must almost be morning, Violet said, as she helped Sunny herself out of, hoist herself out of the elevator doors. We'd better, we'd better untie that rope on the doorknob and shut these doors, otherwise the scholars will see what we've been up to. Well, why shouldn't they see, Klaus asked. Maybe they'd believe us about Gunther. No one believes us about Gunther or any of Olaf's disguises, Violet said, unless we have some evidence. All we have now is an ersatz elevator and an empty cage and three cooling fire tongs, and that is not evidence of anything. I suppose you're right, Klaus said. Well, why don't you two untie the rope and I'll go straight to the library and start reading the catalog. Good plan, Violet said. Rehoop, Sunny said, which meant, and good luck. Klaus quietly opened the door to the penthouse and let himself in, and the Baudelaire sisters began pulling the rope up the shaft. The end of the last extension cord clinked and clinked against the walls of the passageway as Sunny wound up the ersatz rope until the coil of the extensions, curtain poles, and fancy neckties. Violet untied the last double knot to detach the doorknob and turned to her sister. Let's store this under my bed, she said, in case we need it for later. It's the only way to the, it's on the way to the library. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yarrell, Sunny added, which means, and let's shut that sliding elevator door so that the squalors don't see what we've been sneaking around the elevator shaft. Good thinking, Violet said, and pressed the up button. The door slid shut again, and after taking a good look around to make sure that they hadn't left anything behind, the two Baudelaire's walked into the penthouse, followed, following their oh, and followed the breadcrumbs past the trail, past a breakfast room, ugh, breadcrumb trail, past a breakfast room, down the hallway, across the standing room, down the hallway, and they'll find, across the standing room, down a hallway. Oh, down two hallways, okay. And finally into Violet's room, where they stood, stored the ersatz rope under the bed. They were about to head right to the library when Sunny noticed a note that had been left on Violet's extra fluffy pillow. Dear Violet, Violet read, I couldn't find you or your siblings this morning to say goodbye. I had to leave early to buy the yellow paper clips before heading over to the auction. The inn auction. Esme, oh, this is this is the guy. Over to the inn auction. Esme will take you to the Veblen Hall at 10.30 sharp, so be sure to be ready or she'll be very annoyed. See you then. Sincerely yours, Jerome Squalor. Yikes, Sunny said, pointing to the nearest, nearest of the 612 clocks at the Squalor's owned. Yikes is right, Violet said. It's already 10 o'clock. All that climbing up and down the elevator shaft took much longer than I thought. Wretch, Sunny added, which meant something like, not to mention making those welding torches. Well, we'd better go to the library right away, Violet said. Maybe we can help Klaus speed up the the research process in some way. Sunny nodded in agreement, and the two sisters walked down the hallway to the squalor library. 
Since Jerome had first shown it to them, Violet and Sunny had scarcely been inside, and it looked like nobody else had used it much either. A good library will never be too neat or too dusty because somebody else will be in taking books off the shelves and staying up late reading them. Even libraries were not to the Baudelaire's taste. Oh, even libraries that were not to the Baudelaire's taste. Aunt Josephine's libraries, for instance, only contained books on grammar, were perfectly comfortable places to be in because the owners of the library used them so much. But the squalor library was as neat as dusty as a dusty as neat and dusty as it could be. All of the dull books on on what was in and what was out sat on the shelves in tidy rows with layers of dust on top of them, as if they hadn't been disturbed since they had first been placed there. It made the Baudelaire sisters a little sad to see all those books sitting in the library, unread and unnoticed, like stray dogs or lost children that nobody wanted to take home. The only sign of life in the library was their brother, who was reading the catalog closely so he didn't look up until his sisters were standing at his side. I hate to disturb you when you're researching, Violet said. But there is a note on my pillow from Jerome. Esme's going to take us to the Veblen Hall at 10.30 sharp, and it's just past 10 o'clock now. Is there any way that we can help you? I don't know how, Violet said. I mean, Klaus said, as his eyes were looking worried behind his glasses. There's only one copy of the catalog, and it's pretty complicated. Each item... For the auction is called a lot, and the catalog lists each lot with a description and a guess at what the highest bid may be. I've read up to lot number 49, which is a valuable postage stamp. Well, Gunther can't hide the quagmires in a postage stamp, Violet said. You can skip that lot. I've been skipping a lot of lots, said Klaus, but I'm not getting closer to figuring out where the triplets will be. Would Gunther hide them in lot 14, an enormous globe? Would he hide them under the lid of lot number 25, a rare and valuable piano? Would he hide them in lot number 48, an enormous statue of a scarlet fish? Klaus stopped and turned the page of the catalog. Or would he hide them in lot 50, which is... Klaus ended his sentence in a gasp, but his sisters knew immediately that he did not mean the 15th item would be sold in the auction was a sharp with a sharp intake of breath, he meant he discovered something remarkable in the catalog. They leaned forward over his shoulder and and to see what he what it was. I can't believe it, Violet said. I simply can't believe it. Tumisk, Sonny said, which meant something like, this must be where the quagmires are hidden. I agree with Sonny, Klaus said. Even though there's no description for the item, they wouldn't even know what the letters stand for. Well, we'll have We'll have to find out what they stand for, Violet said, because we're going to find Esme right this minute and tell her what's going on. When she finds out, she'll believe us about Gunther, and we'll get rid of, get the quagmires out of lot number 50 before they leave the city. You're right, Klaus. All this time was ripe for your reading research skills. I guess I was right, Klaus said. I can scarcely believe our luck. The Baudelaire looked again at the page of the catalog, making sure that it was neither a hallucination or a phantasm, and it wasn't. Right there, written in neat black type under heading lot number 50, were three letters and three punctuation marks that seemed to spell the solution of the Baudelaire's problems. The children looked at one another and smiled. All three siblings could scarcely believe their luck. 
The Baudelaire orphans could scarcely believe that those three letters spelled out the hiding place of the quagmires as clearly as it spelled out V-F-D. Well, it looks like they've found it. Pretty cool. What do you think, Tay? Mm -hmm. Okay, bedtime, let's go.